This is Primus Groundbreakers, your inside track to the rapidly changing world of design-build automate. Now here's your host, Paul Voss. Hello, welcome to Groundbreakers, a design-build automate podcast. I'm Paul Voss. I'm delighted to welcome you today. We're going to have a stimulating discussion with our two experts. The first person that I'd like to talk to is Mr. Mike McJunkins. He's the newest member of the Primus team, a Georgia Tech graduate. He joins Primus after a 17-year career with Kroger, uh, one of the world's first or second largest uh, grocery retailer um, in America. And according to his uh, his bio here, he's delivered $1.5 billion worth of projects during that time. Is that B with a billion? That's B with a billion. Wow, that's really, really impressive. Well, I'm delighted to welcome you here, and I've got three words. Uh, wow, wow, and wow. I mean, who would have thought six months ago that we'd be talking about grocery stores and supply chains? Everybody in America now is having a conversation about supply chains because we had a toilet paper shortage. We had a hand sanitizer shortage. Now we're talking about a ground beef, frozen ground beef shortage. Everybody in America is fixated and focused on their trips to the grocery store. What's going on? It's funny. Grocery has changed a lot in 20 years. Recent events highlight some of the changes that we're going to talk about today. The industry went from being a traditional, conservative, uh, high-volume, low-margin business to being a bit of a glamour business uh, these days, courtesy of the COVID-19 virus. So the industry itself has gone through a tremendous amount of change in 20 years. No, I mean, as a historian, I'm fascinated by disruption. But when we talk about disruption, we're looking at the printing press and cell phones. This is happening in real time. <clears throat> what are some of the disruptive things that are happening maybe even by the week in your business, in our business? So one of the things about the industry is it functions on the predictability of ordering. So historically, that predictability has been very important. Grocers could understand and predict things like uh, rushes on the 4th of July for hot dog buns. Uh, but some things couldn't be predicted well. What COVID has done is illustrate that the supply chain, which has become very lean, is also somewhat inflexible. And what are some of the threats to a supply chain for the person who's just learning about these terms now? What are some of the threats to the supply chain in America where we have maybe the greatest access to the greatest amount of food, the greatest diversity of food in any country in the history of the world? I think there are several things. One is that the diversity of the supply chain has also been threatened. It's been streamlined. So starting about 20 years ago, grocers decided to streamline their supply chains. And in doing so, they lost their flexibility or ability to flex with unpredictability. So what's happened is the diversity of the supply chain has been lost, and that's caused a, a creative uh, or a, rather a, a bottleneck on supply. Sorry, botched that up. In an ideal world, in an ideal world, the consumer, you know, when my wife and I go to the grocery store, we tend not to think about the supply chain. We think about the checkout process, paper, plastic, method of payment. What should we, the consumer, know about the supply chain today, and how are you, and how is Primus working to make sure that I don't have to worry about that? Well, it's funny. The supply chain itself is a miracle. So, so I've often said anyone who goes into a grocery store in the western uh, part of the world and doesn't look around and see that miracle is missing something very special. So I'll give you a really quick example. Bananas uh, are grown near the equator. They're put on ships. They're brought to the western coast of the United States. They're unloaded there through customs. They're put on tractor trailers. They go to retail establishments. They're ripened. They're put on additional trucks. They go to your retail store, and you can buy that banana for 29 cents. So, so there's a logistics miracle that's occurring every time you go in the grocery store. 
So, so well, the lessons recently are that the supply chain itself is also fragile. Mm-hmm. And, and part of what uh, supply chain groups and companies and grocers are going to need to do is to beef up that supply chain. Is there a demographic uh, part of this equation here The you know, the older middle-aged person like me going to the grocery store is used to a certain process and a transaction, but my children might ex- have different expectations. Mm-hmm. Is there a demographic in- input onto this supply chain? Uh, there is. It's one of the substantial changes that's occurred in the last 20 years. So as merchandising retailers looked at where the next dollar would be spent, what they realized was the purchasing habits of customers were changing. So as the baby boomers gave way to Generation X and gave way to Generation Y1 and Y2, millennials, purchasing habits have changed. So the millennials' purchasing habit, that next dollar to be captured by grocery companies, it has changed. It's no longer brand loyalty. It's primarily value right now and convenience right now. So value right now is a different view than brand loyalty in the past. It's not that I want Heinz ketchup. It's that I want ketchup. And I want it at a certain value. And and I want it in the way that I want it made convenient for me. So that change in purchasing habit also means that the desire to go to the grocery store is, is less in vogue now than it was 20 years ago. The desire now is to say, give me a different option for getting my groceries. That can be home delivery. It can be e-commerce. What, what it translates into, though, is grocery companies scrambling to answer that question of how do we capture the next dollar spent? That's driving projects, e-commerce projects, home delivery projects, automation projects. So it's pretty clear that the millennials are more brand agnostic than the, the baby boomers. What's the implication of that? Um, I think the implication is that the supply chain has to provide multiple products for the consumer, but they have to do it in a way that the consumer really wants. The consumer today doesn't necessarily want that store experience. They want an omni-channel option to say, today I may go to the store. Tomorrow I'd really like my groceries delivered. The next day I'd honestly like some things sent to my gym or my college. So, so the purchasing experience itself is translating into the industry changes in the way we get groceries to consumer. It was interesting because when this uh, COVID broke out, my wife and I, and we have five children, we only have two or three at home at any given time now, but we went into nesting mode. And what I mean by that is we went and we Mm. bought in bulk. I fired up the second freezer downstairs. Cold storage became a really big thing in our house. And I felt a lot better knowing that I had a 24 pack of Bubber Burgers downstairs. I felt a lot better knowing that I had pizza rolls for the kids, chicken wings. So my cold storage space doubled in a very short period of time. Am I, out, am I an outlier here or are we seeing this in the business at large? Oh, I think that's not only a, a trend relative to COVID, but I think it's a longer range trend relative to how customers want their groceries delivered. Lots of companies compete for who gets to provide dinner. The way that they compete has also changed. So, so I think getting goods to customer with the fewest number of touches with the highest efficiency, with the most options for that customer, it is the watchword of the day. So grocery companies are changing their delivery models to suit that customer demand. It's interesting because I grew up in central Minnesota and we had, you know, red meat and potatoes almost every night. And we never had frozen meat ever, right? We had fresh steak and roast every night. So there was this little bias that I had in my mind about frozen food. A couple nights ago, we had some Omaha steaks. They were they came, they were delivered on dry ice, put them in the freezer, took them out. They were fabulous. Our 
our eating habits changing? Are we moving toward more comfort with this kind of uh, with this kind of menu? Well, it's funny. Uh, part of the recent trends relative to COVID have pushed people toward comfort food and staples. So, so it might not be that people are looking for high-end chocolate products in the middle of the pandemic, but they are looking for comfort food and they're looking for staples. That puts a demand on the supply chain uh, that grocers are dealing with now and that uh, Primus is dealing with in terms of delivering projects that beef up those parts of the supply chain that are critical today. You mentioned earlier the grocery business as a, a glamour business, and I chuckled a little bit because traditionally the grocery business isn't glamorous. When you think of glamour businesses, you think of oh, Google and Amazon. But guess what? Google and Amazon are getting in the grocery business in a big way. Tell me about the, the technology that might be driving some of this. It's interesting. Amazon entered the industry in the last five to ten years, and it was a huge upheaval. The grocery industry suddenly realized that that old conservative model no longer worked and, and that, like it or not, they would have to become technology companies as well. What that did is it created projects and spun off projects where grocery companies not only beefed up their supply chain, but the way they did that was through automation and software. So like it or not, you're, you're in the software and technology business today if you're in the grocery business. No, I'm not a futurist and I'm not asking you to predict the future, but are what we're seeing today, is this a temporary thing? Is this a permanent thing? What is on the horizon? Because I can barely wrap my head around the present because there's an enormous amount of innovation and disruption. Where is this going? We think this has long-term implications. First off, the direction that the industry was headed toward e-commerce, toward automation, toward a broader fulfillment model, we see that continuing because the future purchasing depends on that model. Uh, second is we don't think this is a short-term trend. We think the entire industry is headed that way. The integration of hardware, software, automation, technology into the delivery of groceries to customers we think is continuing. So your expertise that you're bringing to Primus, walk me through that. What does that mean with boots on the ground? What are we doing on a day-to-day -day basis that helps differentiate us from everybody else and is going to answer some of these really pressing and crucial concerns? Well, part of why I joined Primus was to be able to provide an owner's or client's perspective on the business that they've been in for 20 years. And the business has changed, the industry has changed, and one of the things that we believe is that if the industry itself is going through a tremendous amount of change, that then the service industry uh, for that grocery business should also be going through a tremendous amount of change. But what we see instead is traditional design-build approach being applied to a brand-new business model. Part of why I came to Primus was to change that dialogue, and we think it needs to be a new dialogue. So design builders previously said, here's my very specific short menu of what I offer. I'd like you to buy something off that short menu. We, we wanted to change the dialogue and say, what is it that the owner or client needs? How can I most help that owner or client? I'll tailor my services accordingly. What that did is opened up a much broader field of design build services. It almost sounds like you're talking about a strategic partnership now. Rather than getting orders, here's what I want, take the plan, take the spec, give me the building. It now sounds like the, the, the design build is going to be a strategic partner. Is that accurate? In the best possible model, it is. And we believe that the design builder should bring services far more than they bring today toward the back end of that equation. So one of the things we're going to talk about shortly is the idea of the design builder taking a much larger role. Most design builders don't have the in-house capability to do that. Primus does. So we believe that the design builder can take a much more meaningful role and also have a larger impact in speed to market and in cost. Again, from the consumer perspective, how is the grocery purchasing 
experience going to change in your mind over the next one to two years? What what are we going to notice differently that you're doing on the back end? Uh, I think much more convenience in, in the way that you want to find your groceries. So if you think about it, I think the idea of being able to order order that online, to have it delivered by FedEx, to have it delivered by Instacart, or, or to be able to experience the store experience when you want that, I think your options are going to increase. But I think largely it's going to be about your convenience. Instead of the industry telling you this is how you shop, it's you telling the industry this is how I want to shop. Well, at Primus in the last 10 years, we've been talking a lot about what we call the experience economy. And we've gone through this with a lot of different training. It's a very powerful vocabulary. Anybody can provide a service and especially when it becomes commoditized. So we're looking at providing an experience. What kind of experience are we going to focus on in our design, build, automate way? Well, I think it's that the customer gets the product they want in the way that they want it with the convenience and value that they want. So today's mantra in grocery is anything, anywhere, anytime. Anything, anywhere, anytime. So what are the threats to providing that seamless experience? Because when I went to the grocery store recently, there wasn't toilet paper, there wasn't hand sanitizer. I could have, I could not find the variety of chicken pat. I'm not complaining. Listen, I, I'm a soldier. I'm offering this up. But there wasn't the, the abundance of produce and meat available. What are some of the, maybe the Achilles heels or the soft underbelly of this supply chain? So the origin to that Achilles heel for supply started about 20 years ago with a book called The Toyota Way, which uh, extolled the virtues of lean manufacturing and lean supply chain. And the idea was instead of producing as much as you could produce and put it out there, to produce exactly what was necessary at exactly the right time. So it became a just-in-time model. So all that was great, and companies jumped on that model to capture the efficiency. Lately, what we've seen is the leaner the supply chain, the less it can flex with mm-hmm. those demands. So part of the Achilles heel is the supply chains in the U.S. have become so lean that, that they can no longer flex to adapt to unforeseen circumstances. That's one of the changes we see going forward. That's fascinating. So what's the value proposition? If there's a client or a customer out there who's considering a variety of design-build firms, what's, what's our value proposition right now? What are we doing to differentiate ourselves out there? Yeah, and that's exactly the right word, differentiation. So part of what we wanted to create with Primus was something that was different than the traditional design-build model. And we've done that in multiple ways. Part of that is broadening our scope offerings. Part of it is creating a different dialogue with our owners and clients that, that's broader and also deeper. Most of the opportunity to provide value to those customers occurs in the front end. Most design builders don't have front-end teams and processes. So part of that differentiation is to say, let us help you with the time of the project when you can recover the most in terms of time schedule and the most in terms of cost. So, Mike, what's a takeaway for us here? Uh, We think the single takeaway here is that a changing industry deserves a a changing service model. Well, that's very concisely stated. I look forward to our continuing conversation. Our next episode, we're going to bring in Matt Hirsch, who's the president of Primus. And we're going to continue to have this discussion about all of the innovation and disruption brought upon this fascinating topic. So thank you for joining us. Thank you.